those who don't know me, my name is Kilton Moyo. For simplicity's sake, well, this is trying to fix me up. Good. But for simplicity's sake, just call me Brother KK. I prefer to be called that way. Brother KK. I don't take offense if you call me by my name. I know that cultures differ. Where I come from, you don't call any elder person by their name. Eh? But uh, thank God we are born again. Uh -huh. Yeah, so Thanks, my name is my name. Thank you, verse. <laughs> well, it's good to be here. It's an honor, verse, to minister while you are here today. Thanks for that opportunity. We praise God for that. And thank you, everyone, for honoring me with your being here so you can hear the word of God, I guess, this morning. But maybe before we do anything, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, this morning, we thank you that you can speak to us and that you still speak to us. Your word says in the days past you spoke through prophets, but now you have spoken already through your son, Jesus Christ, who is the word of God. Our hearts are ready. Lord, our spiritual ears are ready to hear that which is of eternity. Lord, speak to us concerning our families, concerning us that in the last days we may be found to be exactly that which you predestinated us to be, that we may serve you and honor you and glorify your name. This morning, Father, I am your vessel. Lord, I'm your mouthpiece. Speak through me, take my words, make them your words, and put your life in them to those who are hearing that, Father, they may be inspired beyond measure, and that from here henceforth, Lord, their families and our families will honor you and worship you. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. I have an assignment, a beautiful one, I believe, to talk to us this morning about the honor in the family. We have been talking honor through the book of Nehemiah, but this time we want to zero it within our families, maybe so that we can understand what God's agenda is for our families, because we cannot save him and leave our families behind. He needs us complete in his service, and we are complete when we do it with the family and through the family. Nehemiah chapter 4, we will discover just two things maybe from the scripture I want, verse number 13 and verse number 14, just a few things, and then we take off. I want to lay a little bit of a foundation in the form of my introduction so that we may understand. The Bible says, let me read the whole scripture, but I just need a few portions of that scripture. Verse 13 says, Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, 
great and awesome and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Hallelujah. I love that. And maybe before I go any further, let me honor my wife. Maybe those who don't know her, she is here. Sister Adelaide, can I ask that you stand? Now that I have a mic, I can do what I want. Don't you think so? She is there. We have been together for 33 years now, and we praise the Lord for that. It has been a both beautiful and tough journey, but you know, God is always good. Right, we're talking about families. Nehemiah here is undergoing a serious reconstruction or rebuilding of the broken down walls of Jerusalem. We all know the story. I don't have to re narrate it. But what he does here is very significant. He is building, there is opposition around them and everything else, but he puts and sets people to rebuild the wall according to their families. That is very profound. And Nehemiah is just showing you and me how significant the family is in the plan of God of rebuilding humanity, of rebuilding nations, of rebuilding societies, of reconstructing whatever God wants to reconstruct within our communities. It will begin with the family. So Nehemiah is doing something very prophetic to where you and me are today, particularly in Zimbabwe, where there is a lot of reconstruction that is to take place. The reconstruction that is to take place in Zimbabwe is not only about roads and all the infrastructure, but we need to understand that it is very spiritual uh -huh. and that it is of God and that you and me have got to participate. And we are only going to participate with our families and through our families. So just to give you one or two thoughts based on that scripture, let's move. Reconstruction of society starts in the family and with families taking the leading role. It just doesn't happen. It has got to start where you are. And if I were to ask you a question, how is your family today? If I were to scale your family from one to 10, where would you put it? In terms of the will of God, in terms of the things of the Lord. Does your family really inspire you or impress you spiritually? Yeah. Where is it? How is it? How good is it? How dead is it? Or how alive is it? I think it is important that, ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand that our journey through this life is connected heavily to our families, heavily to what our families are like. Because I am inspired by what my family is all about. And if my family then is not into the game, is not into the play, in terms of what God's agenda is for us, we miss the mark. So the reconstruction of whatever God is going to be doing currently, it must have the family taking the lead. I want to believe that this morning we will try our best to reposition our families into this which the Lord is doing in our midst. Hallelujah. 
And if you read verse number 14 where we read, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. I think we need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that the family is the foundation of human life and relationships and must therefore be protected to protect humanity. What am I trying to say here? How many of us remember that right from the beginning in the book of Genesis? Human. That's why I prefer the other mic. Thank you. Right from the beginning in the book of Genesis, humans learned to relate human to human for the first time in marriage, for the first time in a family. During creation, God created animals and then this male man called Adam, who was relating with all kind of nature and everything else. But he had never related human to human until God created Eve from Adam and brought them together in an institution called marriage or family. And for the first time, human beings began to relate. What do I mean? We learn our relationships. We learn everything at home. The family is key to teach humans' relationships towards another human being. A human being learns everything that he is, he ought to be, or she ought to be from the family, not from the world. The world just enhances or builds on top of what we have learned from our families. Because at the end of the day, we are not supposed to be what the world wants us to be, but what our families have molded in us or out of us. So the family is very key and foundational in human life. It's very foundational not only in building character, but also spiritual character and spiritual mannerisms. We are what we are largely because of our families, ladies and gentlemen. So the family is a very powerful institution. And Nehemiah here then encourages us or calls us rather to fight for the family. And how many of us this morning are so ready to fight for their families? The world wants to take away our families. Governments through their democratical whatever and whatever, they want to tell us how the family is run, but how much do they know about the family? You see, the family is a court thing, not a political thing. It's a court thing, it's not a culture thing. And there is no human culture that knows the family more than God himself. Amen. And if you and me are going to build God good families, strong families, the ones that Nehemiah is trying to talk about here, we have got to get back to the word of God because that is where family was founded or is founded upon. So we cannot understand family from democracy point of view. We cannot understand family from a humanistic point of view. We cannot understand family verse from a culture point of view. We can only understand family for what it is from a God point of view. And if we understand it from a God point of view, we will fight for it. 
Because there are many things that work against family, which you and me have to stand up, raise our voices, and raise our hands against until the nature and the image of God is formed in our families and through our families. And again, this morning, how many of us, fathers, mothers, sons and daughters, are ready to fight for the family? That's the call Nehemiah is calling us to hear. In the reconstruction dispensation, we have got to fight against everything that fights against our families. So we have to stand up for the family. I will fight for mine. I'm not sure about you, but this morning I am trying to give you that age to arise and fight for the family. We would rather lose everything else but my family. I would rather have the enemy take anything else but my family. I think that is a positive attitude. Ladies and gentlemen, can we arise this morning and fight for the family? Hallelujah. That's our calling. We are called to fight for the family. Called to fight for the family. But how? That's the question I ask myself. How? How are we going to fight for the family? Yes, let's move. How are we going to fight for the family? I'm going to suggest to you a few things there for this morning on how we are going to fight for the family. The slides aren't moving now. I am way ahead. Okay. So how are we going to fight for the family? Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 to 4. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 to 4. The whole scripture, not part of it. Let's read that scripture together. I love reading my scriptures, even if they appear on the screen. The Bible says, Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Hallelujah. Three things. How are we going to fight for our families? By three things. Getting wisdom, yeah. getting understanding, and gaining knowledge. Yeah. According to the word of God. The house is built through wisdom, which entails that you and me should be a people who love wisdom. And ladies and gentlemen, there is no university on earth that trains on wisdom except the word of God. And the wisdom I'm talking about comes from the word of God. We need to be parents or to be family people that get to the word to gain the wisdom of God to build houses that God lacks or loves. Hallelujah. We need understanding, and that understanding comes from the same word where wisdom flows from. We need knowledge, deeper knowledge of God. Deeper knowledge of the things of God. Because the Bible says that the rooms of our houses, of our families are filled by, I mean, with choice things through knowledge. If we lack wisdom and lack knowledge and lack understanding, we will build things that look like the world instead of looking like Christ. We will build according to the world instead of according to God. And when the storms of life come, our families disintegrate. 
When the storms of life come, everything, our marriages, our children, just go berserk and we lose everything. And at the end of our journey in life, we are so discouraged and so disappointed. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't want to wake now and cry at the end because when you look back, what you have been working on has been destroyed. You want to be at the end of your life and you look back and say, glory to the King of Kings. This far he has taken me. And that which you gave me, Lord, here I present to you. I always ask this question, will I be in a position to stand before God and say, here are my children? None of them is lost. Thank you, verse. Give me the other mic. Thank you. Hallelujah. Now I'm speaking. Jesus prays in John 14 and he says, Lord, here are those that you gave me. My prayer is that none of them is lost except the son of dissipation, Judas. And I ask myself, if I put myself in the feet of the Lord Jesus concerning my family, will I be in a position to stand before God and say, here are the children you gave me. None of them has been lost. And here is the wife you gave me. I bring her back to you, not as she was, but in a better state because she has been growing and maturing in the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope and I believe that will be an attitude for all of us here as parents, as we build through wisdom. Remember the Bible says in Psalm 123, unless God build a house, they labor in vain that build it. God builds through wisdom. He builds through knowledge. He builds through understanding. So how are we going to defend our families? Let's gain knowledge and let's gain understanding. Matthew chapter 7, if we can go there. I'll read a few scriptures, ladies and gentlemen. Bear with me. Matthew chapter number 7. I hope it is appearing on your screens. Yes. The Bible is clear in verse 24 and up to 27. That, you know, Jesus has been teaching. Remember the sermon on the mountain. Very long. And at the end of it, he says something very profound. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built the house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. We don't want to be there. We want to be wise builders who build on the rock, which is Jesus Christ, which is the word of God. So that when the storms of life come, like they already have come, at the end of the day, our families, our houses, or whatever we are building remains standing. 
That is what Jesus implies here. So this morning I am glad I'm speaking amongst wise parents, amongst wise husbands and wives and children who are building on the rock. That even when the storms have come, you are still standing and to stand. So there are a number of things that maybe we need to do to build on. The things that make our families strong. What are those things that make our families strong? Can we be able to identify them? Because if we cannot identify them, we cannot use them, ladies and gentlemen. So we need maybe as families to sit down and discover what is it that makes our family strong. What is it that has made our family strong up to now? And continue to make those things stronger. Because they are going to keep your family stronger and stronger. And also identify those things that make our families weak. The same things. What are the things that make families weak? We don't have to live in denial. But we need to really introspect as families in these last days and find out the things that haunt our families, the things that harm our families, the things that make us weak, the things that cause us to pull apart as families. What are they? And we begin to mitigate against those things. And we begin to solve and to work on those things through prayer, through the word of God. We need to be deliberate as believers in building strong families for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be deliberate in our desire to leave our families an inheritance that is lasting, that is beyond money, that is beyond material things, that is unity in the family, that is honor in the family, that is peace in the family, that is a family that bows to only one God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. If you can leave that to your children, you have left them an eternal inheritance. And no world can take it away from them. And for us to get there, we need to be wise builders who have a plan to build such kind of a family and such kind of children. Are you with me this morning? Talk to your neighbor and say, Amen. You are quiet. Very quiet. Hallelujah. I love it when people say amen. You know, amen is the slogan for the church. As much as they have slogans in their rallies, here our slogan is amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory be to God forevermore. Hallelujah. Even when we are not in agreement with what the preacher is saying, just say amen. Praise God. Glory to Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. Ladies and gentlemen, can I give you an assignment? Go home and find out the two things. What makes your family strong? What makes your family weak? Then know what to do with those things. And when we meet next time, you will be giving us testimonies that ever since we identified the real culprit, we are better. And remember that the culprit is not your wife, it's not your spouse, it's not your child, it's not the, your neighbor, it's not your grandfather. No, no, no. 
is those things. Those leaky things, hallelujah, that are haunting you. So stop beating each other. Work as a team to fight those things. Let's move on. How else do we build such families? We build such families by honoring each other. Honoring each other at home. And honor in the family starts with the couple that makes the family. It starts with the husband and the wife. It, just, it doesn't just come because the two of you are the ones who model honor. Ladies and gentlemen, honor is taught by modeling it before enforcing it with words and everything else. You don't require others to honor you if you don't honor them. The Bible says, do unto others as you would want them to unto you. And remember, children learn through observation more than anything else. It, so it starts with the couple. First Peter chapter 3, verse number 7. What does it say? Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I don't have time to expound on each line of that scripture. It's very important. But the Bible says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Live with them with understanding. I think we need to invest a lot of time in trying to have understanding. Particularly the understanding of our wives. And understanding God. And his intention for the wife. And I always say this. And I will say it again this morning. That uh, the way your wife behaves towards you is exactly how you behave towards God. Because you and your wife are the body of Christ also. You do not expect your wife to do to you what you are not doing to him. So she reflects your attitude towards God. So instead of backing at them, back at yourself, because you are the one making them do what they are doing because of your attitude towards Jesus, who is your head. So you need to correct that one that way. No other way. Ladies and gentlemen. The Bible says showing them honor. It's men honoring their wives. In my culture, that word cannot be used in the sense of men. In fact, it can only be used in the sense of a wife honoring a husband. Vice versa in the scriptures. In my culture, the man is the king. The wife is the maid. Is the worker. She must do the honoring. And the husband must do the abusing. I'm not sure in other cultures. But in the Bible culture, men honor their wives. 
as the weaker vessel. Not that they are weaker spiritually, not that they are weaker mentally, not that they are weaker in any other manner, but in their physical makeup. Because you have been made stronger with all those 6, 12, 14, 20, whatever pecs. So, you can protect them. Not harm them. But you are that strong so you can protect the woman of the weaker vessel. Are you with me this morning? So, ladies and gentlemen, honor begins at home. It begins with the husband and the wife. What we mean by honoring, regarding her with great respect. That is the honor we are talking about. When a husband can regard his wife with great respect. And when the wife also can regard his husband with great respect. I always say to my wife, you can listen to as many preachers as you possibly can, particularly on television. But none of them should be exciting to you more than I do to her. I must remain her best preacher and the teacher of the word. Don't you think that's respect? <laughs> what do we mean else also about this? That you regard with great esteem. Esteeming your spouse beyond yourself. You see, ladies and gentlemen, marriage or family is more beautiful when you put other people above you. When you put other people's needs above your own needs. You see, life is not all about you. Life is about others. You doing to others. Because what you do to them is what they will do in turn to you. So you are regarding her with great esteem. You are regarding him with great esteem. Or you have a high regard of your wife. You talk about your wife more than anything else. They are the best thing to have ever happened to you since Christ on the cross. There is nothing else in human terms that can be as more beautiful and as more inspiring as your wife. This is what I'm talking about here. And how many of us break about our wives in public? I'm not sure, but if we regard them with high esteem and luck, we will be in a position to stand and talk good about them. Praise God. What else does it mean to honor each other? That is adding value to each other. You add value to each other as spouses. Add value. Don't diminish anything from your spouse. How they were when you first met them, they shouldn't be that now. When you took them from their father's home, you embarked on a journey of adding value to them. You, you embarked on a journey of doing more than their parents to them. Because Jesus tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, how we ought to love them as Christ loved the church, and how we ought to build them by the word of God, so we can present them to ourselves blameless too, like what he does with his church. 
how he adds value to the church by his word, by his love, by his caring, by his adoration, by his protection, by whatever he is doing. He is adding love, I mean life, value, and everything to us so that he can present us, the body of Christ, to himself without any blemish. And he says, I want you to do it to your wife. That's a powerful assignment of adding value one to another. It starts at home. And it must end here in the kingdom of God. Hebrews 13 verse number 4, the Bible says, Marriage is honorable among all. Eh? Among all things, marriage is honorable. Ladies and gentlemen, to those of us who are married, you are in an honorable thing. Keep it honorable. Your duty is to maintain the honor of marriage. Is to maintain the dignity of marriage. Is to maintain the dignity of the institution. The Bible says it is a holy matrimony. A holy institution. Can we keep it holy? In a land of holiness, there is no strife. There is no violence. In the land of holiness, there is no worldliness, but godliness. That is what marriage has got to produce. Godliness. And more than anything else. So if we were to honor one another, may we see holiness. May we see godliness. May we see God in our marriages and in our families. Hallelujah. Marriage is honorable among all things. For the sake of time, I will not read my scripture, Ephesians 5, 23 to 33. But I want you to go home and read it so I can move on. When you honor your spouse, you fulfill an obligation and you are keeping your promise. You have a promise to keep them fresh. Hello? To keep them loving. Were you? To keep them tender. To keep them romantic. Mm -hmm. To keep them as you would want to. So honor makes you to keep that vow. Honor makes you to keep that obligation. Honor makes you focused on doing what is expected of you in that relationship, which builds the family so much. I think you need also to understand, ladies and gentlemen, as a bonus, that our marriages are meant to manifest here on earth the marriage between Jesus and his church. The relationship between Christ and his church is referred to as marriage. So your marriage is supposed to depict that. How is Jesus relating with his bride, the church? It's how I must relate to my bride. Because the world has got to see Jesus. And the Bible says they will know you are my disciples by this that you love one another. Loving one another there is not necessarily at this level only. It begins somewhere. It has a foundation. And the marriage and family is the foundation of that love. When we learn to love at home, we will love here 
without any strings attached. We will love here with freedom. We will love here with peace because it flows in our DNA because we have learned it at home. Because all we learn at home matters, ladies and gentlemen. Remember that God responds to you and your prayers the same way you respond to your wife's needs. <laughs> you, you saw First Peter 3, 7. Yeah? Many of us husbands have prayed and prayed and we will continue to pray, praise God, but sometimes our prayers are not responded to, depending on how we handle them. It's not me, it's the scripture. I, sometimes I wish I could take that verse off the Bible, but it's there. So make sure you do honor the terms of the marriage covenant with your wife. Hallelujah. What about children? Remember the families, the father, mother, and the children. We're talking about honoring each other. The Bible is very clear to children. Honor your parents. Exodus 20, verse number 12. Honor your father and your mother, so that the days of your life will be made long in this world. What is to honor your parents? It is to revere them. It is to prize them highly. It is to value them. You know, we live in a world that is very selfish, ladies and gentlemen. Where young people look into themselves and to themselves at the expense of their parents. At the expense of their families. But we are looking. Let me put it this way. God is looking for children who can esteem their parents before self, who can value their parents more than their friends in the world, who can revere their parents more than anything else. No one takes the place of the parent to a child because the scriptures are very clear. Let's read Ephesians 6, verse 1 to 3. What does it say? Let me, let me just go there and read that scripture loud and clear as I talk to the young people now in honor. I honor your youth, young people. I honor your love. I honor your passion. I honor your everything. But God expects you to honor your parents too. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It's not wrong. It's not foolish. Is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. How many of us know that God does not lie? Maybe our length of life is dependent on how we treat our parents, according to this scripture. There is a promise to it. And the promises of God are yes and amen. So I believe in the promises of God. They might look dumb, but they are promises of God. And God does not lie. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word. You see? So the word of God is eternal. The word of God is true. The word of God is correct. The word of God shall always be correct. Children, obey your parents in all things. There is nothing as beautiful as a family where children are submitted to their parents. 
there is nothing as an excited parent whose children are obeying him or her. It's the dream of every parent to see their children succeed and to become that which God intended them to become. You don't know how much honor and joy young people you bring to your parents when you do well according to the word of God. And even when they were to die, they die in peace because you have honored them. You have valued them. You have revered them. So I will encourage us as young people to honor our parents. Yeah? Give them the best of your behavior. The best of your character. The best of your everything. Choose this morning who to honor, the world or your parents. Because when you honor them, this promise becomes yours. It's fully yours. The Bible does not lie. Are you with me this morning? Be respectful in word and action as you honor your parents. Have an inward attitude of esteem for their position. They are your parents after all. They brought you to this earth. So you honor that. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Why is everyone quiet? Am I shooting beyond my time verse? Not really. Yes. Right. Let me just rush over this. Honor avoids strife in the family, ladies and gentlemen. Most families where there is strife is because people are not honoring each other. People are not allowing each other to fill the positions they have to fill. People are not allowing each other to function in the positions they are supposed to function in or at. But when you honor, you honor puts you where you are supposed to be. It doesn't diminish you. It doesn't bring disrespect to you. But it puts you in your right position where you can function for the glory of God and to the good of the family. So where there is dishonor, there is a lot of strife. Proverbs 20 verse 3, the Bible says, It is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. But a good man, it's honorable for you to stop striving. Maybe my encouragement, I'm about to put down the mic, maybe my encouragement this morning is, can we desire in our hearts, verses, we build families that will glorify God to minimize strife at family level? Strife makes the family unhealthy. It makes the family fail to be what it ought to be. Ladies and gentlemen, if we are going to be a good one family that glorifies God, it means that our nucleus families here must be families where strife is an enemy, where strife is not allowed. Do you know that if we strive in our families, we will strive here? Yeah? If we strive where we are, we will bring that strife. Remember that these things are spiritual and infectious, therefore. Highly infectious. We will bring them here and we find out that people are striving here. Yeah? People are, are pulling hard here. People are not free here because we bring that strife from far away. But my prayer this morning is we will be honorable enough at family level to destroy strife. Hallelujah. 
cast out the scoffer and contention will leave. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. Proverbs 22, verse number 10. Cast out the scoffer and contention. My prayer is, as husbands, we are not scoffers. My prayer is, as parents, we are not in contention with ourselves, with our children, and with our families. My prayer is, as wives, we are not mockers of our husbands. I pray in the name of Jesus that all of us at our families are a people of peace and of love. A people who can forgive. A people who can love one another genuinely. And a people who desire the best for each and every member of our families. It doesn't matter what has happened in the past if you have scoffed, mocked, and uh, had allowed strife to reign, but there can be a beginning. A new beginning this morning where you kick out strife and they substitute it with peace, with joy, with glory, with goodness in the family for the sake of your children, for your sake, and for the sake of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you and me worship with great love and honor. Ladies and gentlemen, it can be done. And you and me can do it. Our families can glorify God. Our families can be oases of love and peace and joy. Our families can be exactly what Jesus intended. Our families can be taught by the Spirit of God. Our families can be places of honor and beauty. If we desire it, we have it. The Bible says all things are possible to him that believes. Believe therefore this morning and have it in the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. God bless your families. God inspire you. God encourage you. We love you all. Me and Jesus love you all. Thank you, Bess. Bess has asked me to pray for you. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you are God who builds the family. Your word says, unless you do so, we labor in vain. This morning, we don't want to labor in vain. We want to do that which pleases you. We want to do that which has eternal significance. We ask you to build our families. We commit our families into your hands. You know what we have gone through. You know what we are going through, Lord, as families, all of us here present. But this morning, we lift up your name in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we come against every other spirit, every other attitude, every other mindset, every other habit that is anti-Christ and that is anti-family. Lord, we break that in the name of Jesus. We lose love. We lose joy. We release the patterns of heaven into our families. We release the patterns of your word, Father, into our families, that our families may be strong, 
that our families may be oases of joy and peace. That the world may come and see how beautiful you are in our families. And that our Lord, the world will know and see that indeed we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I come against strife in the family. I come against lack. I come against anger. I come against bitterness and depression. Lord, stress and everything else. Lord, I frustrate the agenda of the enemy in all our families today. And I declare the wellness of our God. You are God to our families. You are our builder and our maker. You are our joy and our strength. Lord, our families and our children are hidden in the quiver of your hand. And nothing can snatch them from you. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for peace. We salute you. We honor you. We glorify your name. Today and forever, thank you for your beauty in our families. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, verse. I, I think it's just great to have, um, to have men like Kilton share with us from the premise of a passion about this. That it's not just, hey, please go and find a couple of scriptures about family and come and share it with us. But, KK, you live that. And, and I want to honor you and Adelaide for it. And um, most of you don't know, but God's using them in an incredible way to stir families within this nation to be godly. And I think we need passions like that to inspire us about this godly lifestyle that we're all, to, all called to live. And I just want to, as, as he shared, I just felt God encouraged me to, to share with people that aren't involved in marriage and possibly have been involved in marriage. I felt that God wants to encourage all of us that even within marriage or outside of marriage, maybe those of you that are young and hoping to one day get involved in marriage and find a wife, find a husband, maybe there's some of you that have been involved in marriage and have come out of it with some hurt. And, and somehow you've lost your admiration for marriage because what has happened to you. And I pray that the Lord will so touch you from Motion moments like this, and emotion through him, that marriage is a beautiful thing, even though it had hurt you. That therefore marriage is not, not something that we regard with disrespect because it had hurt me and something had gone wrong in my life. But that we will restore and see God restore the beauty of marriage and the honorable um, institution called marriage to us regardless of something that you've gone through in the past, and perhaps some of you may be going through at this very moment, that God wants to help you see the beauty of marriage even though people fail at it. I have a sister, my, my natural blood sister. She's been through two divorces. And so she's lost the beauty of marriage. She's currently engaged in, in a relationship with a man, and, and, but marriage is, I don't know, it's just not for me anymore. And my prayer for someone like that, that I love so much, is that God will help us see the beauty of marriage again. And that it's not something that I've, it's not about her getting married, that's not it. It's about her seeing the beauty of what marriage is all about again, regardless of our past mistakes and our past failures and disappointments. 
Now, I want to encourage young people and unmarried about this. One of the ways in which we show respect for, for marriage is about how we talk about it, whether I'm married or not married. And so if I, and, and KK did so well helping us understand how we need to treat our wives as, as husbands, but even beyond a married situation, the way we talk about marriage in general is, is, whether, is, is, is an indication whether we respect it or not. Like, oh, this marriage stuff is rubbish. It's just for those that are really you know, desperate and they can't live by themselves. That's disrespectful. God has brought about this wonderful institution in, in life called marriage, and the way that we as Christians treat it will show the world whether it's something that they would love to have or not. And if we disrespect it, we're going to sow that seed. And another way in which we are disrespectful towards marriage, and sorry that I'm just carrying on a bit here, but if we as young people or, or unmarried want to have some of it, but not all of it, and we commit it to having our own lives, we want to have the joys of some of it, the benefit of it, but we're not prepared to give our lives for it, and that's regarding sex. We want the joy of a covenant together that the Bible says is only is, is, is the premise for sexual relationship. We want to have sex, but we're not prepared to give ourselves for marriage. So you want some of it, but you're not prepared to give your all for it. And we're disrespectful towards marriage and towards each other and towards God's institution by wanting to grab one thing and being selfish about it and, and disregard the rest, which is a covenant commitment towards another individual. And so sex outside of marriage is a, in, is a way in which we can show respect for marriage or not by saying, I'll abstain from it because I love God so much and I love God's ordinance and my respect for marriage so much that I will abstain from it until I possibly one day get married or not. And I respect what He has instituted for us here on earth in that way. So it's open talk, family stuff. And I love His passion. I need that. We all need it. And ultimately, whether we're married or not, we show respect for what God has instituted through marriage. And we go about talking and celebrating it in the lives of people around. Say, yeah, it's so great to see a, a happy, happy married couple. We love that. We celebrate it as a young person, as an older single person. And we celebrate this beautiful institution called marriage. And we honor God through that. Is that okay? Love you lots. Let's go ponder on these things. Let's go trust God to make a part of our lives, married or unmarried. Amen.